Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Station, 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 Station. Levine wants it, feels it, three crossovers, the jump shot up, got it! Zach Levine for three! And that's Zach's fourth triple. He has 27 in the ball game. It's 99-97 Boston. Levine dribbled, drives, steps back, right side three, no. Tipped to nearby Horford and pulled down by White. Down the floor, leaking out. Tatum on the runway with a two-handed slam dunk. Counted the foul. Boots clean look, left wing three, no. Rebound Williams, and this ball game is over. Tough, tough loss for the Bulls, but I'll tell you what, the Bulls left it on the floor, especially with DeRozan leaving at the 626 mark of the third quarter. That's a solid assessment from Chuck Swirsky. You hear Chuck and Bill Wennington broadcast Bulls basketball here on your home for Bulls basketball, Sports Radio 670, the score. And it was a tough loss, but they played well. It was a really entertaining game. That went back and forth, and it was it was a typical NBA game in a lot of ways, where the home team you, you kind of felt the the gravity start to shift a little bit late, and the the they didn't make enough threes, they didn't get enough rebounds, they didn't make enough threes. Levine shot four of thirteen. I'm totally cool with him taking thirteen threes. That's just right. That is just about right. Yep. And here's here's the other thing. I'm 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 Zach's got me back now. Oh, you're back in, huh? I'm not saying you're Max Levine. <laughs> I don't. I can just tell you how I feel when he shoots, and I watch him now. His spring is back. His 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 lift is back. The the speed at which he's getting off the ground. His actual foot speed. Not just talking about jumping and, and elevating. The, the speed and quickness is back. The lift is back. I okay it, when, are, when are, he shoots now I don't get mad. So so what does that mean, Dan? Like you're back in on Zach. What does that mean well, for mean, the bigger question of the Chicago Bulls? Very little. Very little. I, I don't think it changes the upside of this team. I also I will tell you I am ready to start giving Kobe White more minutes. Well, you've been ready for Kobe White to get more minutes because he's a guy that can actually create his own offense. Yeah, and he, he shot one of seven. He was 0 of 5 from three-point range, but uh, but I wasn't quibbling with the choices he was making. His handle's so much better. His defense is better. Zach's defense is better, too. But I am I am I know everyone loves Io. He was awful last He had night. a rough night last he night. He was awful. Off and when he got his shot blocked at the rim, that was not fun. And missed a wide open layup. I mean, he was just bad. It wasn't was fun bad. at all. Can can I tell you a player that I um I have really no reason to hate him because I, it's not like he's done anything dirty or anything. I just don't like Grant Williams. I don't like him. I know the I'm Fat podcast likes him. The reason that I don't like him is that I feel like he strikes. He's got a little bit of Draymond in him. Meaning that you're on a really good team and you do play a role, but you're not that dude. And Grant Williams like gives off that vibe to me of he has an outsized importance of what his game is comparative to Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And it, it just, I don't know what it is. Every time I watch him play, I'm like, I don't like that guy. Like, and I feel Not bad. Yet. No, that that's I I completely understand. It just like I see it. And I'm like, you think you're way better than you actually are, and you're not. Like, and you're good, but 
My problem was every time I hear a broadcaster say Hauser, I always say, get your ass to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> every time. And, and, and Jason was wondering what I would do is, why do you say that every time? Every time. Here, and now right side Hauser, get your ass to Mars. Hell you gotta, you gotta show them. I, I think we've seen part of it. That just, it hasn't been real high. Uh, on, Did on you ever have you ever guessed wrong with him? Where it's like, yeah, like you were like, this is one of the movies that I like. Obviously, my son will like it. You sat him down, and then you were like, he don't like it, <sighs> or he didn't get it, mm. and you were hoping he'd get it. No, we haven't had that yet. He didn't love Aliens. But, oh. but now that he's seen Alien, he oh. saw that first because he was worried that Alien was too scary. But now he saw Alien as part of film class, and they they broke it down, and it was part of their horror unit. They did Get Out, The Shining, and Alien. Damn, I want to be Ooh. in that class. Yeah, I had uh, the first Psycho, like the original Psycho. There is going to be the first. There's yeah. Psycho. Yeah. Psycho. Okay, so well, I they, thought there was. They, well, they, there's American yeah, Psycho. That's what I was thinking about, re- but you're right. Re- psycho. Made it, yeah. and there was the whole thing. Yeah, that well, was scary. Yes, it's scary. It's kind of important, too. I'm glad they showed it to you and taught it to you. Yes, it is scary. Wait. Forget it, man. This fortune-telling days are over. Start the reactor. Ah, but they weren't over, Benny. They weren't over. He told him what to do, and even though he didn't have the right number of fingers, he was able to start the reactor. Spoiler alert. Did you did you watch the Prometheus movies? Yes. What did you think of them? I loved the feel and the tone more so than the plot and anything else that was going on. I loved the milieu. I loved the art and the music and the feel. It, there was a lot of recapitulation of other things. And I and there's some of the alien I did a resurrection eh, and three was eh, but I, I the fact that you also had Charlize Theron doing the same thing of I'm not opening this door because you might be infected and it was we've seen I just I I like the way it felt and the climax was fascinating yes it was great yeah I I found myself like like those are movies where I go I, I don't think other people like them as much as I do and I was like I kind of like it and. Michael Fassbender is... Oh, I'm always there for replicants. Most, No matter who plays the replicant, whether it's Ian Holm, Lance Henriksen, or Michael Fassbender, those are the roles you want. Yeah, you get to so, do stuff You get to with do that. stuff, and, and like you be, everybody thinks Bishop's going to be a bad guy, and he gives this sort of inscrutable, sort of sinister vibe, like and that, then he saves that, the day. That fluid that's in Bishop when they tear him apart, and you're like, Ew. Well, that's the fluid. It's, it's the same I, fluid that's in Ash, where they where, where they knock his head off with the fire extinguisher. Like, Ew. Right. It's gross. Yeah, but then he keeps Newt from going into the airlock. He he's he's there. He does it. They mostly come out at night. Mostly. Mostly. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> yep. But sometimes not only at night. That means oh, it's so good. Creepy. All right. So, uh, and, and anyway. by the way, and, and also, if you ever see Blades of Glory, because you know he has that that hairbrush. That Chaz Michael Michaels has that fabulous like whalebone hairbrush. Remember when he falls through the ice? Yeah, yeah. And the and then the hairbrush floats up. I was so proud of Jason when he said, "That's like Casey Ripley's doll in Aliens." And I'm like, "Yes, hot." 
damn kiddo. Mike Rankin, was I gone for Dan not liking semi-pro? Well, that's a good qu- Yeah, you were. So why don't you like it? Because it's bad. But it kind of knows that it's no, bad. No, it, not in the same way. It's just bad, bad. No, he's got Patty Labelle as his mom. I know, but it doesn't work. It it just the scenes are too long. The jokes aren't paced well. Andy Richter is awesome, but most of the actors aren't trying at all. It's it's completely mailed in. It's completely mailed in. I mean, the only thing to me that say is Will Arnett as the drunken broadcaster. (laughs) (laughs) I I watched a sixteen minute video of. Will Ferrell movie outtakes last night. Oh, when it's the ones that, that they were laughing too hard that they couldn't use those takes, and it's a he and, and Paul Rudd and and whomever it is, you know, David Koechner, and they're trying to stay in it and they're trying to keep eye contact, like don't cut, don't cut, start it again. He does it a little with Mark Wahlberg, and I, it just, I can't get enough of it. I'm just, I'm creasing myself laughing. I don't know how you could work with him. And, and and not and just be able to not do crack up all the time. I know that that we live in the place where we're trying to figure out content. So let me throw out a content idea. Could a theater or could a production company like if you took all of the the you get all of it cleared or whatever, could you do a special on HBO Max where you say for the next 30 minutes we are going to tell you the behind-the-scenes story of Semi-Pro and Anchorman or whatever, and we are going to play for you, whether it's auditions oh. or, or, or we're going to play the outtakes for the next 30 minutes. And do an oral history and, and cut to the actors going, oh, yeah, is, is here's it, why is, he said this. Is this and, a viable idea? Oh, yes, it is. Are you kidding? I got ideas now, Dan. Yeah, you could do that. You, we, we could sell that. I'm in. Oh, and thanks for the two two four for reminding me. Yeah, Jason was not a big fan of Caddyshack. He, he he as far as golf movies go, he preferred Happy Gilmore to Caddyshack. But over time, Caddyshack and some of the line value of Caddyshack, some of the classic stuff, and I notice in the references that are made, it's grown a little bit. That's going to take a little bit of time. Blazing Saddles. He's oh, in we've on? seen that twenty times. Okay. Yeah, airplane. Sure oh my god, airplane. Yes. And he hasn't seen Hot Shots yet because he hasn't seen Top Gun yet. Oh, well, then, yeah. Wait, did he see Maverick with you, though? No. All right, so... Wasn't interested. So so you're going to go Top Gun, Hot Shots... Then Hot Shots. Then Maverick. Yeah, probably. All right, that works. We'll see. That, that, that Maverick movie is a lot more emotional than... I, I, thought, I, I thought that there would be some tugging of the emotions... I, I was more emotional about it than I expected to It's be. going to be hard for him because most of his cohort doesn't get airplane references. They don't get Blazing Saddles references at all. So he's kind of an old soul. Even when he was on this website for the, the, the early decision students that had gotten into Bucknell, and there's like a social thing. They're, they're like meeting each other now on yeah, Instagram, yeah. and they're, they're sort of coming out and saying, hey, class of 27, show out. And they're, they're So one of the other uh, incoming Class 27 people had a Napoleon Dynamite reference in there, and then Jason responded with like a deeper cut Napoleon Dynamite reference, and the guy's like, wow, glad to know there's another OG out there. And I'm like, really? Like, I mean, that's where we are. That's considered OG. What was Napoleon Dynamite? What year was that? 2006? Sounds right. Was it 06? Sounds right. I I got it from Blockbuster, so. And that's a movie that took me the second viewing for it to unlock for me. I I like it. I I'm not 
crazy about it. I love it. You know, it's it's kind of similar to my feelings about The Wire. Like, I enjoyed The Wire. I get it. 2004. 2004? Did that guy ever do anything else? I think Derek Lee fractured his wrist that year. <laughs> 04, that was the, the LaTroy Hawkins year. That 04, was, that, that was, was the, the Steve Stone season. That was the Victor Diaz Mets home run, and that was the Adam Dunn stealing second, and all of it. Yep. Oh, boy, did I hate that team. Everyone hated that team. Boy, did I hate that. I think they hated that themselves. That team hated that team. Because <laughs> yeah. that was a team that was supposed to win, and all they did was yell at people and be mad that they weren't winning. Then people would tell the truth about him, and they got mad about that, too. This has been really good Bulls talk. But let me say this. We just found out via Twitter that uh, Rob Schaefer has been let go from NBC Sports Chicago. If you don't hire Rob Schaefer, if you are somehow in a position of authority, whether it comes to NBA coverage, when it comes to Bulls coverage, one of the most perceptive, smartest, most interesting, hardworking people out there, He's not going to be without a job for long. That's the hope. Don't be one of the people that that missed on this opportunity. I uh, don't don't you'll be kicking yourself. He his ten observations that he does out of Bulls games are absolute appointment reading for anybody who follows the team. I remember meeting Rob when he first joined NBC and and being struck by his intelligence and his passion for basketball. And I'm, I, whenever layoffs come out, and I, obviously I've dealt with them, Layla and I both dealt with them at NBC a couple years ago, it's hard. And with young, talented people, it's really difficult. My hope is that people do see the value of a guy like Rob and give him an opportunity. I'd, I'd also like to take this moment to talk about Tim Stebbins, who covered baseball for uh, NBC Sports Chicago Last year was one of the best moments that I've ever had as a broadcaster and a a quasi-academic because I was covering a White Sox game and two of my students were in the clubhouse covering it professionally. Oh, that's cool. And that was a really cool – and Tim Stebbins is one of my kids. Like, he's one of my students. A really smart guy, cares about – wants to really, like, get into the – the nuts and bolts of baseball and his Cubs coverage for NBC Sports Chicago has been exemplary. Uh, two very talented people, and I'm hopeful that they will get opportunities to continue living out their dreams. These are tough times for our business. I know that it's like that in a lot of different industries, but there there is a contraction that is going on at the the local level for a lot of the different cable stations. The RSNs, the regional sports networks. Yes. And it's going to continue. I having talked to people around the industry about this, the there's going to be more stuff like this. And our industry has to figure out how to get nimble. Everyone is trying to figure out how to do more with less. But Yes, there are a lot of talented young people that are going to 
feel some of this in our industry over the next, I would say, 12 to 18 months. And, and a lot of it, too, with the RSNs isn't necessarily because people don't want to consume sports programming. There's huge audiences yes. for really good sports programming. The problem is in the, the the infrastructural design of the business that for so long was over-reliant and took for granted what the, the, these tentpole major league teams were doing for their bottom line, and it allowed them to be uncreated for a long time and and because now there's an a la carte element to it people can kind of get what they need the whole industry is is going to have to change most specifically when it comes to baseball coverage because i think that's where you're going to see a lot of this stuff go down is in markets with baseball teams but figuring out what that change is has been difficult and then when you add in some of the problems that each of these companies have had since COVID to create a bottom line that is representative of, of the company company being healthy. It's scary. Like it's when young people talk to me about where the industry is going, what I tell them is don't plan on anything beyond 12 months out. Just you can't because you don't know what the, the landscape of this industry is going to be. You can have all grand plans for two years down the road or whatever, but the way that this is start, like the bubble is bursting a little bit again, it's dangerous to make any sort of plans in this industry that go beyond a year, maybe 18 months. And there's also part of the, as long as we're talking about this, the, the fraud that was perpetrated on so many sports websites because of Facebook misrepresenting what video meant, that whole pivot to video movement. Yeah. When people who were creating terrific static page content that could, that should be woven in as part of a multimedia strategy where the the number of, of people who are, are now making money with their own Substacks, right. Patreons, and and being able to have the, own their own content. It takes a ton of time and a lot of priming of the pump to get to that point. But there there were news outlets that made huge mistakes letting a lot of these people go who were, who were destination writers for people. Yeah, and it, I mean, I know it's not just our industry. I mean, I know that the, the, um, the hospital nursing industry is going through similar oh, stuff rural hospitals are closing everywhere because people would rather rather than break even as part of a public trust and make people healthier they're just shuttering hospitals yeah so it's scary like it's really scary especially when you have people that are that you know are good and tim and rob are both really good and i'm i'm sure that the people over at nbc didn't want to let those like it's not it's not performance based. Like I get really mad um, when people talk about, oh, well, NBC lets you go. Like it wasn't because I was doing a bad job. It was because of bottom line economics and hard choices have to be made at the managerial level. But where we're at right now, like I, I'm probably as down on the industry as I've been when it comes to talking to my students. Like, I, but I want. I want them I want them prepared. Like I want them to walk out here and understand the landscape, like what you're walking into if this is the choice that you're going to make. You can make this choice and you can I always say that you're going to be broke early on in this. You can make that choice, 
but understand the volatility of broadcasting right now when even places like ESPN are laying off like really good and smart people. Then we can start talking about like salary and equity and are some of the is is some of the talent is the disparity between one person's salary and another person's salary enough to warrant getting rid of other people versus taking that money and distributing it a little bit more equally. I'm not saying any names, Dan. I know who you're pointing to and I could see him too. I'm just saying that that's something that figuring out the bottom line. You have to say a name. I mean, I, I mean, I know. Yeah. The, yeah. Obviously there are other people too. And oh, of, of, of that ill. I mean, one was his partner, but right. That's gone on way too long. And, and you go, are you really getting that value back for what it is you're paying that person? And would you be better served to have more people doing more stuff or do you get what you need because the, the clips end up going viral anyway and you get the page views that you were looking for and it ends up being worth it and less of a headache because you're not managing 10 people, you're managing one crazy person. When we come back, Patrick Manley is going to give us his thoughts on the end of the Bears season and what Ryan Poles had to say today. He's straight ahead on the Burstein and Holmes show on The Score. Bears organization for an incredible 16 years. Score football pregame and postgame show co-host. We're winning ugly, which means the offense sucks. Master in the art of the long snap. Do you have any kids? I do. Check out longsnapper.com. Have to start early to learn how to long snap. He even has a signature beer. Long snapper IPA. The can artwork's me long snapping a ball on top of an El Camino. I have an El Camino, so the artwork's great. The beer's great. Patrick Manley. That was a good snap. With Bernstein and Holmes on 670 to score. How long does it take to grow the mullet? The gourmet mullet? Why is it gourmet? Because it's awesome. Patrick Manley joins us to talk about your Chicago Bears. You can find him on Twitter at Patrick Manley. He's with us on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And Patrick, we bring you in with a little bit of breaking news here, which on the Score is presented by BetQL. Smarter bets start with BetQL. Should we even? Yes. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com. And this is this is Ian Rappaport's Twitter. Yeah. We- so we're gonna put it on Ian. Like this is on Ian. The, okay. The first three words of this. Per St. Omni, the Ravens agree in principle with all pro linebacker Roquan Smith. Is he an all pro? Now the highest paid at his position in NFL history, five years, one hundred million, forty-five million fully guaranteed, sixty million in total guarantees. The first off-ball linebacker to get twenty million dollars per year. And even though it says per St. Omni, Rappaport says Roquan represented himself. So I don't know. That's, hey, good for him. Yep, he got what he wanted, right? Yep. This is what he set out to do: was to be the highest paid linebacker, and maybe it's good for the Bears that it did work out this way, and maybe Poles does look right that uh, you didn't want to pay an off-ball linebacker that much, and they've got a lot of holes to fill. But hey, good for him. I'm really happy for him. He got what he wanted. Yeah, I'm happy for Roquan too, and that was the number that 100 million dollar number is what I was being told that that camp wanted. So now he's got that. He's had a really good year for Baltimore. Uh, he made the Pro Bowl. I don't know if he was voted as uh, all pro this year, but 
good for him. That, that hadn't come out yet, I don't think, right? Yeah, I, I, but but the yeah, fact I don't think that's come out yet. The fact that he is um, um, played well enough to warrant getting an extension and being in a place that seemingly he wants to be in, I say hooray for Roquan. Go out and do your thing and continue to ball out. Patrick. I guess, hold on real quick. I guess he's uh, as good as an agent as he has a player then, right? Yeah, like he he if moved to, to what he, yeah. he moved to a space where he would be more valued. He got what he wanted, and he, he ended up getting what he wanted. He was never sure. getting that here. No, no, and I'm and to be honest with you. I wish he was here, but I'm glad he didn't get that here. Agreed. Just with all the holes the Bears have, that's going to eat up way too much. And and you know, like I said, I'm happy he got what he had, but for the situation the Bears are in right now, that money just doesn't make sense to me. I am concerned, though, and this is part of my ongoing concern that that particular negotiation was more personal than it was professional. That's yeah, my concern. That. That I, I got a feeling of that, yeah. That sure. the general manager maybe made a choice because he didn't like being put on front street, and it may have cost you one of the better players on your team. But it, everyone's happy, right? The Bears have all this cap sure. room. Roquan got his dollars, so I'll, I'm going to let it go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's not a bear anymore. He's a raven for life, I guess, now with that contract. So, Oh, wait, 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 wait. I got one more thing, and then I'll let it go. All right. It's just funny to me how there were a lot of judgments that were made on eight games of Roquan, but God forbid eight games of Chase Claypool we make any sort of thoughts on what he is as a player. Now I'm done. (laughs) Well, we could go the whole two segments on that one. Because he just, like Ryan Pohl said, it's tough to have a plug-and-play player. It's not the NBA or Major League Baseball. I still have my, I don't call them doubts, but my questions about Chase Claypool. But um, I do want to see more from him. And I think an offseason and being in this uh, in this system and working in the offseason with Justin Fields could make a big difference. I'm not writing him off yet. I, I, I still, I'm not either. I, I, I'm not either. I still think those, to me, the measurables, and just it's just still too tantalizing. Watching yes. the way he moves and looking what he at what he can be, and maybe that's just sort of the scout in me uh, outside of the coach. Is it me. worth a first round pick? I don't know. Well, no, <laughs> Dan. The answer on that is no. It is a resounding no. Come on, he no, is no. You can't say no yet. yet. You yes, can't I say can. No yet. Yes, it you is a say, no. What if he comes out and has twelve hundred yards next season? Has he ever had a 1,200-yard season? No, no, I think he was like 939 or something mm-hmm. his rookie year, right? Yeah. Question so stands, the like likelihood of him having a 1,200-yard season next year. He's just saying you can't say no. Okay. Exactly. I'm saying the what-if game. I mean, what if he did? Then you would say, okay, it's worth the pick. But it's he's got to put a, put up some big numbers, whether it's yards or touchdowns next year for me, to warrant, warrant that trade. All right, so the Bears had a press conference today and didn't mm-hmm. look like idiots and didn't no, sound didn't. like idiots. And they came out of a postseason press conference, and I'm—it's—it's it's weird for me. I—I I, I feel a little untethered. I—I'm—I'm I'm used to just rolling my eyes and pounding the table and thinking same old Bears. They handled everything just fine today. To be honest with you, one of my favorite things to do was to listen to you after press conference. <laughs> Because <laughs> they're always a clown you, show. They were they were bad, and you would just rip them, and I would just sit there and laugh and be like, "Yep, you're right. You were exactly right." But hey, they came out and they sounded like a professional football organization, a professional team. Like that was that's the way it's supposed to be done. I thought Ryan Poles handled himself very well, and I loved his answers. And what I've always told you guys, I love when coaches, uh, general manager, whoever, is just honest to players. And I thought he broke down 
the play of the D-line, the O-line, the quarterback. He, you know, he praised some guys, but then he was also pointed and saying, no, they have to be better at this. I was disappointed in that. I want to see more of this. So I, I thought he did a great job of, of handling that and, and kind of telling you his evaluation of the season. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought that they, they were able to do their messaging, and it sounded like you know, if, if you didn't know it was the Bears, you would think it was any of the more <laughs> right. buttoned-up uh, sure. organizations in the NFL. And I think that that's good. Like I've been thinking about this uh, over the last couple of days. I'll write about it in the Sun-Times tomorrow. Considering where we were literally a year ago today, I, I think that on positive, like you have to look at this and say everything that it's been done, even with a couple of hiccups along the way, the Bears are in a much better place than what they were 365 days ago. Oh, 100%. And it's exciting. I can't wait to to follow the draft. Can't wait to follow the free agency. Um, and they, did, they just have an opportunity. But again, you know, like everybody's talking about, Ryan Poles is going to be the most popular name face figure in Chicago for the next four months. And I just hope he can do it. My fingers are crossed. You know, we've seen in the past the Bears with other GMs making head coaching decisions that are wrong, uh, drafting some players that weren't, you know, what they were supposed to be. I just hope he can get it done. But he has put himself in position to sustain success, like he talked about. And I hope they can. And this city deserves that. And you guys know that better than anybody. We deserve that as fans. I deserve that as alumni. Um, I just hope he can get it done. What did you make of his response to the multiple questions about his commitment to Justin Fields? I'm glad you guys asked because I listened to you guys. And Lawrence, I think he left the door open. Okay. And I think it was I think it was strategic, and I think it's more with other teams. And I understand even if you have the number one pick, you know, you really don't have to play that game. But I do think he left it open. If he truly falls in love with somebody, I don't think he will. I'm not saying he will, but if he does, he has the right to make that decision. And then he ties himself to that decision if he does want to take a quarterback, just like Ryan Pace did. He fell in love with Mitch Trubisky, which was a mistake. He lasted longer than he should have, but he has the right to do that. But one thing I did say on the postgame show, guys, what happens if, display the what-if game, the quarterback exercise, what if Bryce Young turns into Patrick Mahomes and we missed again? I think that he's Drew Brees, by the way. Okay. I mean, I have, I, oh, I, I think that's yeah. at absolute 100% of his outcome curve. He's Drew Brees. Yeah, that's fine. But we don't know. But I'm just saying, what if it happens and we missed again? You would feel terrible. But I'm not. it's not saying I don't believe in Justin Fields, and I hope he can, can be great, if not one of the you know top seven quarterbacks like I talk about that you need in the league to – sustain success and be a playoff team but he would just feel terrible if if that happened here's what i would say if you look at justin fields qbr he is middle of the pack right mm -hmm. now in qbr and that's without an offensive line that's right. without wide receivers and without his passing game being refined i i feel like there's enough that we've seen that if we control for the other things and give him what we need You've got the makings of a great quarterback already here. I'm with you. I'm excited about it. I am really excited about what the potential he has. You give him time in that pocket. You just, just look at Jalen Hurts, what the Eagles have done. That's the perfect example. We saw him. We saw him play against him. You give him time in the pocket, give him some um, some weapons around him, then he can be better than Jalen Hurts. I think he can. And you heard you guys talking earlier as well that Jalen Hurts might be the favorite for the MVP. I'm not saying he's going to be an MVP, but – you know, I think if you surround him with stuff with what we've seen in his growth and his ability, he can get there. And I, I, I'm really excited about that. I'm excited to see what Poles gives him and, and see, uh, see what he can do. Interesting to hear Poles uh, tick off uh, priorities generally when it comes to putting a team together. We know quarterback is number one. 
And then he had no issues saying pass rushers, offensive line, and corners. It's back to the Roquan Smith discussion. He didn't say inside linebackers as, as part of that list. And it's understandable. It's just to me how obvious best practices are now when it comes to how you value positions in this league. Right. But why didn't you do that last draft? It's a great question. Mm-hmm. That's a great, you know I mean? it's a great that's, next that's question. That's what I really right. want to know. And I understand he's got you know, his board. He's sticking to the board. And he talked about he was surprised that Gordon fell and Brisker fell and all that stuff. But if you truly prioritize it, why didn't you go out and solve those issues first? That's, that's the question I have. Yeah, his answer might just be that it wasn't the year for that and you didn't want to reach. Yeah, sure. even, even if that's his default setting, this mm-hmm. particular draft would, would have guys who, who broke that a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if somebody asks him that or he gets, you know, gets to the answer of that. But uh, I just, you know, after what he did the first year, it, it'll be interesting to see what he does. But he's talking about doing it, and I would like to see him do that. And I believe in that as well, that you've got to build inside out, and I hope he does that. Patrick, it's a little weird for the Bears to be in this spot, right, where they kind of control yeah. the agenda of the NFL Fun. this offseason. It's fun. I mean, they're going to be on the NFL in every lead storyline for the next four months, and it's, it's just going to be fun to watch. And hopefully they get it right. That's just what I keep doing, man. I'm literally walking around with my fingers crossed that they, <laughs> they've got the right guy, and we can become a, the Steelers, a team that's just around all the time that you're always talking about. I just I hope this is the guy. and. Please get it done, Ryan. <laughs> when you, when you, a young Patrick Manley, when you were growing up in Atlanta mm-hmm. and knowing what the University of Georgia has oh, know, meant to the, the the football culture there, and I don't, I'm sure you grew up a, a Georgia fan. I don't know if you visited there or they how hard they recruited you, but the fact Patrick that, was always a tech guy. The fact that they no, won. No, mom, real quick, my mom was a graduate from Georgia. I was a bulldog. My dad was a Notre Dame grad, so we had a split house from like the eighty was eighty one or eighty, uh, you know, uh, national championship. So I was a bulldog. I actually committed to Georgia, Dan, and then really? he committed to Ray Goff. Yeah, and then chose Duke, and he yelled at me. He's like, "How are you choosing Duke over Georgia?" And whatever, but it worked out for me. <laughs> I, I think it worked out just fine. But what? Yeah. But the, but the meaning of these back to back championships and the, and the way mm-hmm. that they've done oh, it. Oh, it's huge. I, 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 I people around here, and I know it's just not our it's not our flavor of sports culture. But it's a it's hard to explain what a big state school means down south. Well, here I'll explain it this way: You open up the Tribune, you open up the Atlanta Journal and Constitution. What's on the front page of the sports section? It's the Bears here in Chicago. In the South, in Atlanta, it's all Georgia football. You'll turn the next page; it's high school football. You turn the next page; it's Georgia Tech. You turn the next page; then it's the Atlanta Falcons. That's the way it was when I grew up, and that's the way the culture is down there. And I would imagine now it's like Georgia. I bet it's Georgia SEC. Yeah. High school, high school, high school, high school in Atlanta kind of split now. The, the Falcons have become more relevant down there with Arthur Blank and the stadium and all that kind of stuff. And when Michael Vick came in down there too, it just it raised the awareness of the Falcons and the fandom and all that kind of stuff. So it's changed a little bit, but that's the way what I just described earlier was how it was when I grew up. Patrick, what was your relationship with Lovey like? Um. I didn't talk to him a lot, but there was a lot of mutual respect, I believe. Um, when we did talk, it was, you know, very meaningful. Um, I just, I have a lot of respect for that man as a human and just a head coach. And he taught me a lot of life of like how to, how to be a coach and how you don't have to yell. But uh, we had a, we just had a nice, nice relationship. Yeah. Because obviously like him winning and him kind of being lovey um, to, to, to go and try and win that game on Sunday helps yeah. out the Bears. But I, I feel like he's been done dirty by the Texans. And he's 100%. not the only coach. But I was curious what your thoughts were on it. 
No, I, I agree, and I guarantee if you go talk to every player that he's coached with the Texans, they love that man. They love going to work and playing for him. They just didn't have the talent. And I knew, and I should have brought it up in the pregame, he was going to have those guys ready to win that game no matter what. He, I guarantee you he preached to them, we're going out to win this game. I don't give a – what does he say? I don't give a crud about, <laughs> about losing and getting the number one pick because he always told us that when we had losing seasons, never we were battling for the number one pick. But if it was, you know, meaning – Meaningless, he was like, no, we're going out to win this game. So I knew the message he was giving those guys. Patrick, thanks, man. Appreciate it. You bet. You guys have a good one. Look forward to the offseason. I bet you do. I bet. That is Patrick Get those golf clubs ready. I know you wanted to talk about the college football championship last night. Yeah. Yeah, I got some things that I want to say. And it's going to make some people mad because they're going to be taking me seriously and I'm not being serious at all. But they'll listen to the volume of my voice and think I'm being serious. We'll do that next here on The Score. Roll damn time, You better baby. believe it! Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes, Middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. This feels different than last year. They had to, they had to finally conquer the Crimson Tide. Uh-oh! But the Georgia Bulldogs bludgeon their way to back-to-back. Glory, glory. Georgia, as the fight song says, leaving no doubt. That's been the mantra. They made it real tonight. Yeah, that's pretty real. That's so real you don't have to watch anymore. Thank you, Georgia. You can hit the eject button whenever you want it on that game. you. Man, Pete Futek was right all along. Well, he also, also, if... the Michigan Wolverines should just be embarrassed All right, so that look, they lost to that team. So look, this how is, this did is, you lose to this? This is what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about how no other sport provides the transitive property more than college football, and it's annoying, Dan. Style this team, therefore right. they should beat this. Styles team. make fights and. Georgia has been the best team in the country for 24 months. Yeah, I saw them against Oregon to open the season. And and what and, happened? And, and my jaw dropped. That's and, a top and, 10 team. And I watched them in that game. I was in I was in a hotel room on Long Island mm-hmm. watching that game and I said, "Oh my god, everybody on this team is ridiculously fast and strong." Yep. So so, yep. so look, my college football journey started when I started taking classes at Bama, right? Haven't had a college football team. DePaul undefeated since 1939. Yeah, people accuse you of being just sort of a carpetbagger who happened to stumble into the Alabama fandom. But look, you No, I have have stumbled into the Alabama fandom. Like, there's no zealot like the converted. And that's what I am. Like, I finally got a football team. And so I'm allowing myself, because the, the team, the professional team here, I look at clinically. I don't look at emotionally. So now I have a football team that I enjoy. But I will tell you that all of the stuff that I kind of didn't like about college football, it's out there. Like, there are people that I love. Like, shout out to my guy, Brandon Pope. He's the president of the National Association of Black Journalists here in Chicago. He can't stop obsessing about the SEC. Everything is the SEC versus the Big Ten. And there's so many people that are just... And when I look at it as there's the SEC and the Big Ten, and then there's everybody else. 
And yeah, the SEC, I think, is 14 and three in college football playoffs. And everyone's, well, that's because the other teams don't get a chance. Well, this is what happens when you give the other teams a chance. This is this, this is what it is. And to me, there was never a point in this season, as much as an Alabama fan that I am, there's never a point this season where I thought anyone was better than Georgia. And last year, I didn't think anyone was better than Georgia, including Alabama. I saw Nick Saban on the panel last night, and I think that he was really annoyed having to sit next to Pat McAfee. Um, But they asked Saban about the game. And you know how, like, a lot of times when you get to ask a coach to make a pick, coaches are like, well, you know, both of these teams are very well coached and they're going to play hard. And And they kind of try to go down the middle of the road. Saban sat up there and goes, yeah, TCU is going to need to score at least 40 points. They can't score 40 points on this defense. <laughs> Georgia's uh, going okay. to beat them. And and he said it like super deadpan, and I was like, he's exactly right. Like the, the, And I know that Ohio State was one bad kick, and it, it is one of the, the biggest like TBS things that I have ever seen. One bad kick from being there. But look, this is what college football is right now, and this can change, and I think Georgia is – is doing a lot to offer hope to other programs that they can change and grow. It's Bama, Georgia, Ohio State. That's it. And maybe each year someone else. That's it. It's those three teams. And if you start the season going, if you you start the season saying, here's who I'm picking to win the national championship, Alabama, Georgia, or Ohio State your chances of success are going to be really high. Now, what I do think is cool about what's happened at Georgia, and I know this is sacrilege to my people down in Tuscaloosa, Kirby Smart has gone down there and he has turned Georgia into what people always thought Georgia could be. People all, like, you know how um, people talk about the concept of the sleeping giant? Mm -hmm. That's Georgia. That's been Georgia football. For a long time, we go, man, they have everything that you want. They have great locations. Athens, Georgia is beautiful. And it's not that far from the airport, one of the biggest hubs in America. They've got the the money. They have the alums that love winning. Your program can be that, I think, if you're in the, the SEC or in the Big Ten. Michigan can be that. Michigan State could be that if they really wanted to be. Maybe or maybe at some point, Brett Bielema turns Illinois into that. It's going to take a while to do, but he's moving in the right direction. But college football is so weird, and the fan bases are so weird that when you talk to people about it, like I know that there every year that there's going to be some team that people, every year people are going to tell me that Texas is back. Texas is never going to be back. They missed their window. They missed their window so bad that they had to join the SEC. Nebraska. See, now, for They're those never going to be back. See, I, when I grew up, Nebraska and Oklahoma were always, always, always in that conversation. Well, Oklahoma was in that conversation until last year because now USC takes their place because the really smart guy that was running the Oklahoma program is now running the program at USC. 
And it's why USC ended up getting incredible, you know, kids to move in the transfer for portal. And they've got the Heisman Trophy winner. Just when you go into a season, root for your team, root hard. They're a great story. Tulane story this year, unbelievable. A, a team that kind of came out of nowhere, ended up beating USC. Utah, every year is going to be ranked in the top 10, and they're never going to win the national championship. I will say this, too. We haven't talked about it. Sam Hartman going to Notre Dame is huge. Well, he, he said only, that he was going, and then he wasn't going. I I saw the tweets of him in the uniform. I, I mean, I feel like he he recommitted. I know it's only one year, but that's another program that has the the word I'm looking for, entitlement, perhaps, that they are expected to be in those conversations every single year, and it's just a matter of time and of finding the right guy to, to bring them back to their rightful place amid those elite. And, then and I, th- I think you could put them on that list of it's very unlikely they ever get back. And it, with Notre Dame, the problem is always the problem of they want to be Notre Dame, and I get that. that I, I understand that that's a really cool thing to be. If I were Notre Dame, Considering the type of money that the member institutions are getting in the Big Ten, I'd want to be in the Big Ten because because it's going to offer you an opportunity that you might not get on your own. It's just it look it it all goes in cycles. People thought that Clemson was going to be Alabama. I don't think that Dabo is going to get there, and I think it's partly his own doing that he's not going to be able to get there and build it up. He it's lessons learned. Kirby Smart. And this is, man, I would love to have a bigger discussion about this at some point on how much I think the Nick Saban tree is better than the Bill Belichick tree and that his, the way that he goes about doing, helping along the rehabilitation of coaches and all this other stuff. The car wash? Yeah, bringing people through the Tuscaloosa car wash is a better way of doing it where it seems that that Saban is okay with setting up the infrastructure for coaches to work in and then allowing them to be who they are. Whereas the Belichick disciples all seem like they just want to ape what Bill Belichick does, and they're terrible at it. But I digress. I'm sorry I've taken up all your time talking about college football. No. Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State. And Mark Grody next on The Score. Ask me a question professionally and I'll answer it for you. 